Welcome, everyone, to issue 19 of the Paper Cuts Comic Podcast. I'm Dean DeFalco. Evan Goldstein. Dan Ryan. Why do you wait so long? Because he needs to build up fucking suspense. <laughs> and you know what? When I'm done editing this, he'll sound like he was right on your ass. It's. It, I feel like he's just taking a giant gulp of air to then just go, <gasps> Dan Ryan. He is. He's trying. Like he's, well, because otherwise I'm... <laughs> Otherwise, I'm way too excitable. I'd just be like, damn, Ryan, here. Here, let's talk about comics. You should be excited right at 1030 in the morning to talk about comics. Actually, we're closer to 11 now. <laughs> I've been up since 7. Here, here, brother man. Fuck mm. that. I was up 15 minutes before we got started. But anyway, uh, we have one large book to talk about that we all read, and I want to talk about it first because I love spaceships. And that book is the new <laughs> Star Wars from Marvel. So I want to I wanna open the floor. What did you guys think of the book? Uh, it was good. Well, good. good. Yeah, That's a good was... start. <laughs> All right. Join us next week for <laughs> issue 20. No. Um, <laughs> All right. How about was, this? Um, look, look let, let, me, let me rephrase. I have read a lot of Star Wars books from other companies. This was by far the best one, the only one to ever make me go, hey, I should watch those movies again. I agree. I was really excited to get to the end and be like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. This is serious. I want to I see the next issue. I've never felt that in a Star Wars book. Who was doing it before this? Uh, Dark Horse? Yes. Yeah, it was uh, Brian Wood. And I can't remember the artist's Nothing name. against Brian Wood, because I do like Brian Wood, but those books aren't as good as these books. And I, I mean, even previous Star Wars incarnations didn't have the same effect on me as this one did. And I was fucking pumped. It might have been that it was a little faster. I feel like this was a little faster paced and a bit more um, exciting than some of the other Star Wars books I've read. So maybe that had something to do with this because this was dropping you right into the action, which was super cool and really made it fun. Absolutely. With the like the the way it picks up from right right at the get, he's the ship's coming in and there's tension and you don't get that in other Star Wars books. It's usually the very well paced I'm telling a story about a galaxy and all. no, it's get in, let's go. Let's, I want to see lasers and, and swords that light up and people losing limbs and shit. And this, this book, this book <laughs> delivered that in fold. Well, and it, it really had um, the artwork, John Cassidy's artwork in this really had a, it, it felt very big. Yeah, like it was it was very epic and very grand and, and everything felt like a big space opera like it should. I, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of the other Star Wars books have sort of shied away from that. And, and maybe that is ignorance on my part because I haven't read a ton of them. I mean, I was reading the Brian Wood book. Um, you know, I've read some of the other like little miniseries, Boba Fett miniseries or a Darth Vader miniseries or whatever. But this one really seemed to capture the big space opera feel that that Star Wars is is known for. Everything else always seems to be very close quarters and lots of tight shots on on the faces of like the pilots or or faces during a battle. And this was just big and open and and just gorgeous to look at. Yeah. Like John Cassidy is so good. He did he did a fantastic job. And what I like best about the artwork is that I don't know if it was just his talent level, but everybody 
sort of looked the way they were supposed to, as opposed to the, the artist concentrating, I got to make this guy look exactly like Luke or this guy exactly look like Han. There was a resemblance. Like you knew, like you didn't need names. You knew who they were. And it wasn't way out of, you know, way out in left field where that doesn't look anything like the character. But it wasn't that creepy, almost photographic style artwork, which sort of throws me out of a book. Um, everything, right. This like, was this was just enough realism. Right. Right. Just enough. And like some of the like the the epic reveal of uh, the negotiator showing up. I was like, oh, that's 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 good. Mm-hmm. That page felt good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, and well, I mean, then he. <sighs> All right, listen. Can we just spoil it and tell everyone who oh, the negotiator is, is? The this is this should be rife with spoilers. Okay, yeah, spoilers, spoilers everywhere, spoilers for days. <laughs> what? What? Okay, so yeah, it turns out Darth Vader's the negotiator, and it's fucking awesome because he comes out of his little little spaceship and shit, and then Chewbacca's like pew 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 with the sniper <laughs> rifle, and then Darth Vader's like, no, oh, not my house, motherfucker, picks up some stormtroopers and is like bullet shield, and he forced like picks them up and shit, and I'm like, oh man, that's fucking awesome, and then they get all like fucking rifle with bullets and stuff, and it's like, what the fuck? Like, the, the best part about that interaction between Chewie and Vader was Chewie's got him lined up in his sights with the sniper rifle, fires, and then Vader's like, wait a minute, I feel something's coming. Let me turn around with my lightsaber and zap it. And like it was how okay, if you can't sniper rifle fucking Vader, how do you kill him? You don't. That's it, man. Sniper rifle bullets go pretty quick. If if he's going to catch that, he's going to catch just about anything. Exactly. And the fact that he used two stormtroopers who were crying like, hey, wait, wait, what are you doing? What's going on? What's going on? As human shields or cloney shields or whatever they're deciding. That's fucking badass. It was awesome. I saw that and I was like, this book is amazing. I I need 17 more issues right now. I said just like that. I was at a, uh, a, a bunch of local stores did Star Wars release parties. And uh, I was I was at a store and I was talking with the owner and he, he he was very excited about this book release and he really enjoyed it and he's like can I spoil something for you can I, can I can I I'm like yeah go ahead and he's like the best part of the book is when Vader picks up two stormtroopers and uses them as human shields I'm like okay that makes sense for Vader that's like right in line with his character I, to be honest him being in the book was the best part of it I didn't know if they were gonna use him or not. Uh, just going into the book because I really didn't know anything about the book before reading it. So it be didn't he die in the movies? Right, but the thing is, this is set possibly <laughs> in between <laughs> A New Hope and I and re- the beginning of Return of a, the Jedi. So okay, I wasn't sure where it fell. I feel it was part of the timeline. I just couldn't tell where it fell. Yeah, it's. It, <laughs> I th- and <laughs> I think it's in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. I think that's where it sits. Well, yeah, this is this is right after Luke has blown up the Death Star. Okay, that, and I right, like the, they say that when they're when they're talking in the beginning to the uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Aggie. Like yeah, uh, you kept calling him Aggie. Aggie. <laughs> but, but um. Yeah, like he's, you know, he says something like, "Oh, well, you know, like after your Death Star blew up, you you got to get a lot of weapons going out into the world." And so yeah, it's it's right in between 4 and 5. 
And unfortunately, the last time I watched Star Wars, however many years ago, I watched them all in a row. Or excuse me, not all, the last three, the ones that count. Yes, good. And they all blended together. The good ones. <laughs> like they all blended together into one giant movie in my head now, so I really couldn't focus on which spot this book fell into. But um, I loved the fact that you saw a little bit of everything. You got a, an AT-AT, you got, uh, you, what's, the, what's Luke uh, Han's ship? Um, Falcon. The, Millennium, the Millennium Falcon. Falcon getting slowly taken apart. I mean, you saw they, they just touched on all of the different characters because there was a the, the, the slave release. So if you look at that, that jail cell that all of the slaves are locked in, you saw everybody. They made reference to Jabba, uh, R2-D2 at one point in time, Peas. For lack and, and electrocutes, right? That's what we're gonna go with. He he urinated on the floor and electrocuted a couple of stormtroopers. Basically, I mean, it. Your bot seems to be leaking. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> for a little well, guy, like, he, he I does really some bad think. Shit. Oh, R two R two rules, <laughs> but I I really think like the main the main like selling point of this book is is Jason Aaron absolutely nailing the characters. Yeah, they're so spot on. Just they're just perfect. He kills and in it. a lot of other Star Wars books that have that have come before. It, everybody kind of feels like a space cowboy, mm-hmm. but in this one, they felt they felt right. Everybody felt just just true to you know what what the movies were. I mean, Han Solo's a a, a swaggering badass, and Luke at this point in the story is still relatively unsure of himself and perhaps a little bit too headstrong. I mean, there's that really great moment where in the end of the book, he, you know, spoilers again, but in the end of the book where he's saying, I Vader's here. I have the man, the man who killed my father and who killed you. I have to go fight him. You know, I have to go stop him. And the, the, the little light blue, uh, thought bubble of Obi Wan Kenobi telling him to run that gave me was chills. Just so badass. <laughs> it, that, that reading that yeah. gave Luke. me the chills. <laughs> Luke, run! Just get, what the fuck are you doing? You're gonna lose, dude. Get out of it! Like I was just—it was fantastic. But, just everything about it, like it just captured it so goddamn well. Yeah, the, I mean, even there was a a, a mini interaction between uh, Leia and Han, and Han's standard go-to attitude is the badass cowboy, like nothing phases him. And there was this, just it was maybe a couple of panels where she's like thanking him, like, "Why did you do this? You know, you, you've you know now everybody knows your face. Why did you do that?" And he's like, "Uh, well, uh, you, you know, it's not that big a deal. Um, um, like, because you're pretty. He, he like is really like the stammers underlying message there. Yeah, they they really." brought it's the challenge of this book i mean obviously with any star wars book set in between the original movies is going to be how do we make this interesting like why why do i give a shit about this because i know what happens at the end i've seen the movie a hundred times and in widescreen and original format and re-edited and (laughs) blu-ray and all the different formats that i bought 17 goddamn times oh the laser disc ones are so good but (laughs) You know, like how, why should I read this book? And the reason you should read this book is because you're going to get that depth of character that the movies, not that they failed to deliver, but that there just wasn't enough time to deliver. Like, I think that's the problem between the original trilogy, four, five, and six, and the new trilogy, one, two, three, 
is that in the originals, you just kind of had to accept things. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we get that Han Solo is a badass and whatever, and we love Han Solo because of it, but we don't get a lot of the depth of character of what is his motivation, why does he do this? Whereas in the first three, or, or one, two, three, the next trilogy, it's all just over-characterization. Right. Right, and you end up with whiny Anakin Skywalker for two and a half movies. And and absolutely, but the the thing is, is like there are certain characters that in the in uh, four, five, six, like Han Solo, that we immediately just said yes, we're on board with this character. That we got absolutely no character in the f- one, two, and three. Like right, it, it, I would have liked to have seen how he became who he is, and yet I get three movies of. Cranky Vader. Meh. <laughs> so it. I hate sand. It's all itchy. <laughs> Gets in my robot bald. Meh. Well, and with. I mean, he wasn't a robot then, but you know. Yeah. Uh, the point stands. Fuck it. Absolutely. <laughs> now, another question that I had that I actually asked a couple of different store owners was, "Why was this such a big deal?" I don't know why it was Yeah, that, such a... that did seem surprising. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm not too sure why it was a big deal. I mean, I guess it's because there's a movie coming out soon, and maybe, you know, everything's Marvel, so they're like, look at our book that we're making for right, this that's movie. What, one, of the, one of the guys, one of the store owners said, it's he called it actually the year of the Star Wars, that this is the opening for the year of the Star Wars. And I said, all right, I'll buy that for half a minute, but this is a big deal. Like, I don't know. 15 issues ago there was a dark horse book or however many that ran nobody gave a rat's ass no nobody cared and and all of a sudden this one had shifts over to marvel and it's the bee's knees well i I think and it's got 300 variant covers and like people are doing events for this well that's Mm -hmm. that's the thing i think it's the marketing too marvel has a much bigger foothold on comic books than Dark Horse does. Nothing against Dark Horse because I love Hellboy. But no, Dark Horse puts out great books. You know, Dark Horse is, is very good at what they do. Right, it's, but... it's just Marvel does have the money to make things like that happen. You know, we we want events. Do you your 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 store should do events because this book will be amazing. We're gonna make fourteen million variations. Uh, Han Solo is gonna have a clown face in one. It, it's gonna be great. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. Well, just uh, I mean, buy all I, of them. I think another well, thing Well, and I th- is- I think a lot of it is the creators that are on this book too. I mean, like when when John Cassidy draws an arc and he's not going to be on this book forever. He's just not I, I history has shown he's just not capable of that of, of putting out a monthly book. But when he is on a book, it is a big goddamn deal. Like when he was on uh, the Astonishing X-Men with Whedon, like that it's just an X-Men book, but that was the biggest deal at the time because Cassidy brings that sort of value to a title. And no offense to Brian Wood, like you said, Dean, you know, love Brian Wood. He's he's a very good writer. He His name does not have anywhere near the clout currently that Jason Aaron has. Right. But, I mean, with all that being said, and those are very valid reasons, this book is... You're damn right they this are. This book is less than a week <laughs> old, and it's already in third printing. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't care who the artists and writers are. Either they did a really small print run, which I don't think they did because of how hard they were pushing it. But for any book to go three printings in less than a week is is the '90s caliber speed of sales. Right, and it's already topped. Uh, Star Wars number two is already topped the advance reorder 
uh, sales charts. Exactly. Like So a month before the book is even out. I still don't understand <laughs> why this is such a big deal. Uh, I, uh, maybe <laughs> people just didn't know yeah, about I, the other Star Wars book. Again, I mean, I remember the first issue coming ba- out for the Dark Horse one, and people were like, oh, there's a Star yeah. Wars book on the wall. Right. Maybe I'll get it. You know, but the thing is, again, Marvel has that that advertising niche where you know they could throw it in the back of a magazine, they could put it in a fucking commercial like right at the end or something. It you know, it's online and stuff. They can do that. Dark Horse doesn't really do that. I I mean I I, I, I can't say it's, it's solely I, it, it that. It is either. weird. I mean, I'm I'm glad I'm glad it happened. It you know, it's nice that some stores did events because you know they don't happen as often. I mean, other I mean, for a book, an event for a book that hasn't happened. You know, I can't remember the last time it happened. But for the quality of the book that came out, and I, it's it's warranted. The book the, the book was good. I mean, yeah, I, and and that's really I think at the end of the day, like the really the the main takeaway here is that. Not only was this a huge anticipated event book, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. It delivers, and that's even more rare. Agreed. It, it really is. I mean, I'm I'm a little worried now. In the issue I got, it had the, and I'm I'm sure it's the same for every every issue. The preview of a couple other books, yeah, that that uh, are coming the the Vader book yeah. and the Leia book. Well, the the piggyback and, books. Like they yeah. do with fucking what's his name, Deadpool, and you know, like right. as soon as something gets hot, they sort of smother it. I don't know why, but well, uh, that that I'm the not Vader excited book. about. Well, the, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. The Vader, the book. Vader book, I'm actually excited for. I, Kieran Gillen and Salvador Larocca, like that book, I think looks really good. Kieran Gillen, I think, is a, a really interesting choice and a really good choice to to take on. Vader and tell some interesting stories with him because even six movies into it and tons of books and whatnot, there's still a lot of Vader's story left to be told and a lot of stuff that we don't know. There's such there's such huge gaps in the overall Star Wars story, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, now I, I'm not someone who's read all the novels because I, I just don't have that much time to get into all the books, all the expanded universe stuff. But there's a lot for the casual fan, or for even, I would argue, the average fan, a lot of these characters' backstories that we don't know. So that one I'm actually relatively interested in. The Terry Dodson Princess Leia book, though, did not look good. <laughs> like, I I think Terry Dodson is a, is a good artist for that sort of cheesecake art style that he goes for. He's he's very, very good at, at what he does. But the preview pages in that book did not sell me on it even a little bit. I don't know if you guys feel the same or not, but they uh, I, they looked kind of I didn't see any, phoned in. I didn't see any preview pages. I'm not okay. excited for it. I don't really like time. Because the thing is, this is on its first fucking issue, and really you already have all these tie-ins going on. You couldn't have waited. You couldn't have waited till like the first arc is over or something. No, no, we're gonna well, fucking. I, I, I don't know. Make no mistake. This is going to be. I mean, this is going to be like you said. This is not just Marvel, but this is Disney. This is the rebirth of the Disney branded Star Wars. New movie coming out. New comics coming out. New toys coming out merchandise like this whole thing is a marketing push so yeah they're gonna they're gonna hit you over the head with this pretty hard 
which is a shame because if you if let's say you got however many tie-ins I mean the, the the Star Wars book itself I feel has a strong enough footing that it will continue to be a popular book but you throw out you know three four five tie-ins you know one or two of them may be really good but they're going to get lost in the shuffle because you got so much shit coming out at the same time uh, about the same stuff and it gets lost something will get lost I like the, the X books have the same problem or Avengers books have the same problem. when you go and you look at a shelf and there's 14 15 different books with the, the word <laughs> the letter X in the title you're yeah. not buying 14 15 books you're not okay well it, it becomes a where do I even start and uh, yes kind of and thing. it becomes overwhelming and it is what it is and it is par for the course when it comes to Marvel and DC they they I don't want to say watered down because that alludes to the fact that all of the stories are bad. They just smother everything where it's, oh, my God, this is this is popular. Let's give more where that doesn't work. This is popular because right. of what this is, not because we are expecting more of it. I just I think at the end of the day, the only tie in book I'm really interested in is if I could get if I can get a, a Rob Liefeld Boba Fett book, I'd be in. What? I mean, wait, what? <laughs> wait, say that again. He's all, say, a, say that again. A Rob Liefeld Boba Fett okay. book. He's already got pouches. Okay. Yeah, and there's no face to fuck up either. And I mean, he there's flies no around, so you, maybe you don't even have to see his feet most of the time. I just want yeah, everyone to know angles. that it is recorded <laughs> forever that one of us had requested a Liefeld book. Shout out to Rob Liefeld. We love you, buddy. Fan, big fan big of the fan show, of Rob the show. Liefeld. <laughs> Are you telling me you wouldn't buy a Rob Liefeld Boba Fett book? Absolutely. That would be amazing. Absolutely. But I wouldn't request it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Star Wars number one. Uh, just buy the hell out of this book. Too late. There's, Everybody there's did already. Five, well, yeah. Buy the second printing. Buy the third printing. There's 6,000 covers for you to choose from. And if you're a... If you subscribe to Loot Crate, you're going to get it free later this month anyway. Did you guys see all the covers? I saw most of them. Which was your no, favorite? No, I, I gave up. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of variant covers, not, to be honest. I'm not, say, I'm not saying to buy. I'm saying just, oh, that's a neat idea type of thing. Because the the Luke, uh, Luke figure cover... Like on the original back card backing, like I thought that was a good idea. Yeah, that that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> I they, they, actually, to be honest, I th I think that one was probably one of the best. Uh, that that's a that's a very cool novel idea. And there was one with that green rabbit dude, which I thought was funny. Trying to get, I don't know, Bucky O'Hare. It looked like Bucky O'Hare, and I'm not 100 percent sure if it was Bucky O'Hare, but it was, from my understanding, a character that they shoved into the extended universe, and it's literally this mm. green rabbity looking dude pushing on a door, and the rest of the cast is on the other side of the door holding it shut. So it's like, hey, I can nice. hear you guys on the other side. I could hear you breathing, and then all of a sudden you see like <laughs> Vader's got that sound effect going on. They're like, shh. <laughs> Damn it, Vader. Anywho, who's next? Evan. <laughs> okay. Did you want to talk about your other book? <laughs> Seeing as you started off this conversation? Well, I, I... Hey, hey, listen. Star Wars wasn't us book. Okay. Yeah. Whoa, teach. Easy. <laughs> we all did it. All right, the other book that I want to talk... Calm down there, Hoss. Yeah, really. The other, the other book I wanted to talk about this week was uh, Jupiter's Legacy Number 5. 
the long-awaited Jupiter's Legacy number five. And when we uh, when we last left the book, um, a child of a superhero couple is it's revealed that he has powers and he is going he has been fighting crime or you know tragic tragic events uh, unbeknownst to his parents because being a superhero is against the law. That's where the book ended. Uh, this issue starts with, like, it's a, it's a reveal of her, let's see, his real name was Major Barnabas Wolf. Now, Barnabas is one of my favorite names, um, but he is also known as um, Molecule Master. So this guy's walking into a, a uh, like, a, just a standard office, and apparently it's in Australia. And he's like, I need to talk to Joan Wilson. She's like, uh, okay, what, do you, what can I do for you? She's just a, a, like a claim supervisor. She's like a, a paper pusher, a numbers cruncher in a, in a company. And he sits down with her and they're talking. And he's asking her questions because he feels that she is a, a superhero. Or a, actually, I think it's a villain. They're, call, they're calling all the heroes villains because technically superheroing is against the law. That she's been in hiding, just like all the other ones. And he's asking her questions about, you know... We see your bills. You don't have any gas bills. You don't have a car. We don't see any travel expenses. We, I mean, we don't even see, like, heat. You don't have heat. What's going on? And she's answering the questions very straightforward. I don't have a car. That's why I don't have a gas bill. If I travel, I travel by train with, the, you know, the change that's in my pocket. And, you know, I don't make much money. So if it gets cold out, I put on another sweatshirt. And he's like, you know what? You answered all the questions great. I, I appreciate your time. I just have one final question. Um, why is it you're the only one that's still awake? And then they pan back and they show everybody else in the office is passed out. Now, apparently this guy has been manipulating the molecules in the air and turned the air in the office into knockout gas. So only he and her are awake and everybody else is passed out. So she runs. Apparently she's, uh, what do they call her, the human skyscraper or skyscraper? She's, you know, an Ant-Man character or what do they call it, giant man? She grows big. They capture her. She gets bigger. Yeah, that, yeah, she, whatever. Like, this, there's very few powers <laughs> out there apparently. <laughs> so they have to recycle them. So they capture her and, and, and it, it's just... The the setup is to show how how the government is is cracking down on these superpowered characters. So we flash over to the kid. His name's Jason. Uh, he is the son of the daughter of the main like the Superman of the world, and the, everybody's in hiding. But the kid can't. He's like, I got too much of my grandfather in me. I can't just sit by and and let these atrocities happen. So he's going out and he's you know. Ditch in school with stupid excuses and 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 doing do he, he does superheroing. I mean that's the easiest way to put it. Um, apparently he's been going up to the moon to build a like a scanner device that will track superheroes or or pa- people with powers. Um, apparently he goes up to the moon regularly, and he's been doing it on the down low. And mom catches him. And the reveal is he's flying with his, you know, his little domino style mask and he gets up to the moon. He's just talking all big and tough like I've, I've cut this trip down to 19 minutes. So it's nobody suspects anything when I when I leave for lunch and mom's up up on the moon waiting for him and just like jeans and a T-shirt. <laughs> he's like, oh, crap. So he's like, how did you find out? And she's like, you have a 
you had a speck of moon dust in your shoe and you don't get that from playing on the playground. So, I mean, like <laughs> it, it's 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 the family dynamic where she's like you have to hide. He's like I can't hide. She's like you have to hide. I can't hide back and forth back and forth. So, it, it, it he she makes him destroy the the machine that he's building up in space and go back to just being hidden. And he's the Peter Parker style um character where in his you know regular everyday his, his what's they call that the, the the incognito version of himself he gets beat up he gets picked on and he's sitting on a bus with a group of kids and he's like getting the shit knocked out of him it actually there's like four or five panels where one kid has him in a headlock and he's talking to a girl and she's like listen a little girl she's like listen we know who you are we, we figured it out there's this tragedy happening where this bridge is falling you really need to go help like we're cool with it and the whole time he's in a headlock so he books out goes to go figure out what's going on over at the bridge and apparently it was it was a trap by this molecule master dude to capture him he's knocked out or or or, or frozen if you will because he can't move and he cries, he goes, Mom, Mom, Mommy, help me. And then Molecule Man's like, oh, man, I knew this was going to be tough, but I really didn't think you'd cry for your mother. I mean, come on, now I feel bad. She can't hear you. I don't know what your your thinking is going to happen. And then, like, as he's saying all of this, this is, like, just this, the, 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 the wavy lines to make things look like they're going fast. And Mom's, like, front and center. She's like, Mom hears everything. And everybody starts getting the crap kicked out of them. Dad sees all of this happening on the news. Dad shows up riding a train. Now, mind you, there are no train tracks. He's, like, moving the train. By. I'm like, it was a family experience kicking the crap out of everybody. The, 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 the pacing of the book is, is okay, here, let me, let me rephrase that. When you finally get the issue in your hand... The story within that book, that specific issue, is very well paced. I'm a big fan of the art. Um, Frank, it's Frank Quietly art. I'm a fan of that one. I know for some people it's not the their cup of tea, but I really do enjoy it. And it's and it's it's Mark. It's Mark Millar. It's it's the story is is what it is. It's it's really good, and it's it's showing the the family dichotomy of a number of different groups or a number of different families, plus the overall arc where. This group is fighting this group. That group is fighting that group because it's it is a good versus evil, but evil's in charge. So the, they're they're figuring out how where their place is in the world. And at the end of the book, it's a an a, 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 you could tell or you get the the notion that the good guys are are going to start fighting back, and they're not going to let this crap happen. Heroes are needed, and we're tired of hiding. It's, and then at the the last page says end of book one, which was five issues. I'm assuming that was all of book one. Now, I don't remember the last time one of these issues came out. I actually had to go look in my like my list of my collection to, to see if I actually honest, got. I I think it was like on issue four of the show or something. We we talked about it. And that and okay, so what are we? Nineteen? That was fifteen episodes ago. So let's break that down. On the average, we do four a month. Yeah, that's been two and a half months. And now they ended a chapter or a book, as they're calling it. God only knows when the next one's going to come out. If the next one even comes out, it's a shame. Like 
that's that's my my biggest qualm with image titles. Is, I mean, yes, it's great that they're creator owned and and they're getting everything that they're supposed to be getting. The uniformity of the release dates on the big two, the the Marvel and DC, is way more consistent, and the quality of storytelling is way better on the image side. I wish those two can like those two ideals can merge a little bit better so I get a really good quality story <laughs> in a timely manner. <laughs> well, and I really like books like Jupiter's Legacy really make me wish that somebody somewhere would embrace the original graphic novel concept. One of one of the greatest stories that has ever been put to page is the death of Captain Marvel. And that did not come out issue by issue. It was a, an original graphic novel. And you just get, you got the whole thing when it was done. Here you go. Was, you know, when it came out originally, it was eight or nine bucks. It's like 15 bucks now, like a typical graphic novel. And it is fantastic. It, it's one of the best things you'll ever read. And something like Jupiter's Legacy, if you know that the book is going to ship sporadically at best and and it really is sporadic at the best of times mm -hmm. put it out when it's done don't see don't ship it until it's ready but with this they're going for the issue by issue feel so that, that it has a continuing story the i will what would happen in that in my opinion what would happen in that situation is i'd get the first book or the first graphic novel and then go god damn it i want the next one and i'd have to wait a year for that to happen that's a fair point but but even in that case a, a guy like quietly is is notorious for being late on books don't solicit the thing until it's done right you know that i because that the great thing that image the great position that image finds itself in is that there is really no overreaching story arc they don't have to fit into what's going on with the avengers they don't have to they don't have to tie it up with damian wayne coming back they're they're their own stories in their own separate universe it it doesn't necessarily matter that jupiter's legacy comes out three issues this year four issues next year and then we're done with book one or if next year we got all seven issues or all nine issues or whatever they could get done for a year put the thing out when it's done and give me the story month by month because while the quality is there and I agree Mark Millar is fantastic Frank Quietly you're right is is not everyone's cup of tea he's not my cup of tea but he is very good at what he does people are going to buy it absolutely and it doesn't need to come out today if it's not ready like that that shit just drives me crazy I I actually forgot about the book for however, how you know, for for the two months, because you know, in the first month when I didn't get the next issue, I was like, all right, well, it is what it is, and I'm gonna have to wait. And it was, it, yeah. it, it's weird because it's like a nice surprise when I look at that list that this coming this week. I'm like, <laughs> oh, Jupiter's Legacy. Ooh. Did I get number four? <laughs> <laughs> did I even read this? Did I? How did? Well, that I think end? that's a problem. <laughs> I, I think that's that's part of the problem, and, and it really makes you appreciate guys like Mark Bagley who can put out two books a month. Right. You know, and they're high quality and they're, his artwork has always been consistently 
I, I would argue it's consistently excellent, but you know, here's a guy who can crank out two issues of a book a month. And then you've got other guys who can crank out one issue every now and again. Yeah, I, you know, it, and it's a shame. It really is because it is I, I, like, I am a fan of quietly's art. I, I, and like he did like my all time favorite story, which was all star Superman. The, the fact that I don't get to see it, as often as I'd like makes when I do see it even more special, which is a shame to be put on a book that should be monthly. Yeah, I and I don't know. It, it's sour grapes for me because I read those like the first two or three issues and I was like, this is a damn good book. I am really excited to keep reading this. And then and then it just fell off and I'm like, all eh, right, I'll get back to it eventually. I, I mean, like and that. That's the concern too, is because there's so much other good stuff that comes out. It's you it's know, true. it's true. It's I don't all know. In all, it's it's a weird it's a weird topic. I mean, the book itself, like you said, is you know what you're getting. Frank Quietly, Mark Millar, they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's when am I getting it? Am I going to get it again? Right. That's the questions like that that we have to deal with. But the fact of the matter is, is that this issue that released. It was it was top notch, and if you haven't looked into it, I mean it's a it's a great five issue arc. I guess they're going to end it here, um, right? Because it is a a solidly continuing story. Like there's no doubt about it. It's going to be good versus evil, evil versus good, government versus regular. I mean, there's a lot. It could go in a lot of different directions, and the main issue is timing when am i going to see the next one am i going to see the next one are they going to hold it and make it a, a, a graphic which they should i mean that would be great next december i get jupiter's legacy book two you know <laughs> like that uh, i could sit down and read that whole thing in one lump sum and never never go oh this is too much for me to read right now or like a lot of times when i pick up a trade because it's an over like a dc or a marvel trade it's an overarching story that has to tie in with other things and there's lots of information to know blah, blah, blah. It, 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 it makes me wary. But when it's a solid single book story that I don't have to worry about the rest of the universe, you're absolutely right. It makes it that much better. At what point in this issue does Luke Skywalker show up? He didn't, actually. Because isn't, <laughs> isn't that what's happening in every book this month? <laughs> it's what the marketing has led me to believe. He I could have been in the background. I mean, okay. Quietly's backgrounds are, are very detailed and whatnot. There's a lot going on back there. So he may have shown up at a crowd scene, but I didn't notice okay. it. Shout All out right. to Luke Skywalker. Big fan of the show. <laughs> big fan. Big fan. Big fan of the show, Luke Skywalker. That's right. Uh, so that, that, that's, that's my humble opinion on Jupiter's Legacy number five. Very cool. Very cool. Daniel. Yes, sir. I believe you have something for us. I did. I read uh, Avengers 40. Um... And, uh, well, see, here's the thing about the current state of the Avengers books. Uh, Jonathan Hickman, who I think is absolutely brilliant, for my money, is is one of the smartest, most clever writers that is currently working in comics and is, is oftentimes too clever for his own good, <laughs> has been doing this incredibly dense and hard-to-wade-through Avengers story. And it was a really interesting decision by Marvel to have the gigantic juggernaut of success that was the first Avengers movie and to then immediately follow it up 
with an Avengers book that even for someone such as myself who knows who these characters are and has been reading comics for 25 plus years at this point has a difficult time figuring out what the hell is going on with everything. It, it was an interesting choice to say the least. The overall story is that there's a lot of other realities and a lot of other planets that are merging into each other. And the there's a group of Avengers, a group of characters that get together and they have to stop them, basically. And the, the, the long and the short of it is that in order to stop these planets, the incursions that they call them from happening, they have to destroy worlds. So you've got superheroes responsible for just the death of, at this point in the book, 40 issues in, billions of people. Mm -hmm. Steve Rogers, as you can imagine, isn't too happy about this. <laughs> he has a problem with killing of billions you know, of people? Come on now, Steve. He, he does. <laughs> he does. He's not a big fan of the whole uh, killing the innocents thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because uh, make no mistake, Steve Rogers has killed plenty of people mm. in his time as Captain America or... Uh, Nomad or whatever other character he was for a little while. But he has a problem with this, and he was lied to by the the new Avengers, the Illuminati group that had the Infinity Gems and, and a, a lot of other story background. What's interesting about where, where this book falls, where Avengers issue 40 falls, is that this is really the final turn on the way to to the next big Marvel thing, which there, which is time runs out. And the big rumor is that things will be somewhat rebooted when time runs out finally happens. The books are going to jump ahead a little bit. There's going to be some different stuff going on, new creators on titles, just a big initiative from Marvel. So it's Marvel and now, now. Marvel now squared like right now oh okay. now squared right now 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 we're serious right this fucking minute all that's, that other I, stuff actually, you read I think that's what we weren't be called. Marvel <laughs> yeah all those books they're gonna put them back out it's gonna say Marvel then it's a very space balls kind of thing um so yeah <laughs> I'm glad you did pick up so, on that because I was shooting down the space ballsian hallway. <laughs> space ballsian hallway. It's very spherical most of the time. Yes. Um, <laughs> I quit. I'm out. Peace. Christ. No, that's that's fine. So, really, like I said, it, it's kind of the final turn to get us on the path to to what's going to happen. And there's this group that's being led by Thanos and. They're trying to start the incursion and, and yada yada. There's there's a bunch of shit going on. The main crux of the story here is that Namor, the Submariner, has been playing both sides. He's been working with Thanos. He's been working with the Avengers teams and really just being like a double agent. And he's responsible for killing lots of people. And that doesn't really sit well with Black Panther. So, big time spoiler alert, Black Panther stabs Namor in the heart. Mm. Now, that's not going to be enough to kill Namor because he's the first mutant and he has regenerative abilities. So, Black Belt, Black Belt, Jesus Christ, 
Black Bolt. Karate chops him. <laughs> Karate chops the shit out of his pointy ears. Um, <laughs> and his winged little feet. His winged tips are gone. He flicks them off. He actually catches them with chopsticks, like, as he's flying through the air. It's a very Karate Kid kind of thing. Black Bolt shows up and does not whisper at Namor. He yells farewell at him, which is just... Black Bolt's one of those characters who... It's just really awesome every time he shows up because it's like, please yell at somebody and obliterate them. Because <laughs> you know um, he has the ability to do that, and they don't do it enough. Right. He's just such a cool character. Like, Black Bolt really is really cool from just from an idea standpoint. So he yells, he yells farewell, knocks Namor down onto the planet with Thanos and Corvius Glaive and Terex is there. And oh God, I forget the, the other name of the people cause they're weird and newer. Corvius um, Glaive. Nice. Corvius Glaive. Yeah. He's really cool. Um, so knocks him down onto the planet as they are going to blow the planet up and that's it. They murder Namor. Black Panther and Black Bolt murder Namor the Submariner. Now, is he going to stay dead? Probably not. We don't actually see his body blow up. We don't actually see Thanos blow up or any of that other shit. But when he gets back, Steve Rogers and the other Avengers are there waiting, you know, and they're like, uh, so where is everybody? What happened? And Black Panther just looks at Steve Rogers and is like, Namor's not going to be coming. And that's where the book ends. And everybody's just like, ah, shit, dude. So now you're going to set up this, this kind of fight between the people who agree with Black Panther, people who agree with Steve Rogers, and it's going to lead to this big cataclysmic Marvel event. Um, there's like, this book is really well done. The, the quality on this book, Jonathan Hickman's writing is just fantastic. He is so, so good at what he does. However, if you have not been reading Avengers books, everything I just said for the last couple of minutes sounds like stuff and nonsense. Because it is. It is so deep and so dense and so hard to get through that I really hope when they do reboot this stuff in a couple months' time that they simplify it a little bit. Because it's, it's hard reading. And I don't want to necessarily read comic books for hard reading. Uh, certainly not Avengers comic books anyway. But I want to see way, Captain America thrown his shield. There's way too much for the Avengers to be as, like, there's too much information. And with a reboot, like, we just went through this with, with DC however long ago. They start off easy. They get everybody mm-hmm. hooked. Oh, look. This is how it is. This is that, and then they just start layering and layering and layering and layering, and, layering. and then you, you you feel like you're missing out because you don't buy a specific title. That's t- right. It's 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 a a problem that we're no matter what they reboot or what they do, we're gonna we're gonna face at some point in time. It, it really is the too much of a good thing problem, which is a ridiculous problem to have, but but it is it is a problem, and what. What I find most difficult with this with this book is where it fits into the overall Marvel universe because it is so separate from everything that's going on. I mean, or at least it certainly feels separated from everything that's going on currently, like the stuff with Axis that happened and the current Spider-Verse stuff 
and there's just there's just a lot going on at Marvel right now. There was back, and I used to be a, like my my pull list was pretty split evenly between DC and Marvel. And back when they started, they were hinting at the fact that time was becoming fucked up. Is when I went, right. I'm out. I can't, I can't do this because <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I saw the writing on the wall. I knew, like, it was, it was only really dealing with it in the one book where Wolverine kept flip flopping back and forth to kill someone, and I was like, all mm-hmm. right, this is this okay? I could stick with this, and then all of a sudden it bled over into the Hulk universe, and then it bled over into Spider Man. I'm like, that's it, taken out because I know I'm out. All of this is going to be stopped and shuffled and smushed together, and I'm going to get a new timeline, and all of this stuff is going to be redone. And it's just going to be a waste of me reading this now. Yes, if I like to see the pretty pictures, I'll pick up a book. But sure. you know what I, it's it's well, and and one of the big rumors that's that is floating around right now is that you're absolutely right. Like the time stream is is so fucked up, and they they really have they've really fucked it up pretty bad. Mm-hmm. That at the end of it, they're going Marvel. And and this is a somewhat cynical rumor that I think is coming um, from the internets, but uh, the Marvel and Disney themselves being pissed off that they can't have the Fantastic Four and they can't have the X Men are going to age the those characters and put them back into the '60s because Marvel has always operated on this sliding scale of continuity whereas Nick Fury was originally a World War II guy he is now at this point I think a Korean War guy wasn't um, he also white well yeah okay. I, I'm that, the original we, Nick Fury not Nick Fury Jr. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know so Captain America is one of the few who has stayed you know World War II throughout the entire time but now Captain America was found in the ice in like 2005 as opposed to 1974 you know like there's there's been this sliding scale of continuity and the the rumor is that there are going to remain a couple of constants in the marvel universe and that one of the constants is going to be that the fantastic four originally fought galactus in 1971 or whatever the whatever the date is Mm -hmm. And that that is going to stay. And if that therefore stays, the Fantastic Four cannot be young superheroes in the current Marvel timeline. So they're going to find a way to organically get rid of some of the characters that they can't make movies out of. Mm. That that Uh-oh. sounds a little cynical for me. But I but I suppose I could see it happening it ma- it at makes the same sense. time. It makes sense. <clears throat> Howard the Duck's going to you know, get the and, axe. Uh-oh. <laughs> Dude, if they get rid of Howard the Duck I'm out. after he just made his big cameo in, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Spoilers if you haven't seen it. Um, You're supposed to say spoiler I'll, I'll be, before actually saying the spoiler. Are you? Yes. Shit. That's where I always get it wrong. Okay. You know, Vader is Luke's father. Spoilers. Um, so, yeah, just, I mean, it's a really good book. You know, Stefano Caselli's artwork is is very good it's just, it's just so dense i mean if if you're a fan of these big kind of cosmic deep stories then absolutely i hope you've been reading the avengers because that is it is delivering that in spades but if you were looking for just fun avengers books to pick up th- this isn't the one all right who, who did the art 
Stefano Caselli. Okay, Stefano Caselli. Now, I took a look at this when you told told us you were reading it, and especially right. when you spoiled the spoiler for us. I definitely <laughs> wanted to see that, and in my like the artwork was was good. It was it was nice. Yeah, it's okay? good. But the writing and the editing and the art missed a beat. Missed 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 a, a fantastic opportunity because they shoved that killing of a Submariner into a bottom fifth panel okay like one of the best scenes that black bolt has ever been in not that he wins it is during world war hulk when he yells at the hulk it was a giant splash page like you felt it and in this book they missed a gigantic opportunity that should have been bigger than what it was because we don't get to see Black Bolt use his powers very often, especially right because, like, even in the, that Hulk, that World War Hulk thing, he does he whispers, right? Okay, and it you felt that power just by the image that was shown in this panel. You see that 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 text bubble, the the the, the word is you know, is what I call kapowed. It's big. It's colored. It's <laughs> it's there. It certainly is, and it's three by three. Maybe three by four tops on the page. That that is an I like editing wise. That should have been a fucking splash page, double page spread type of thing. Of you see bits and pieces of Mariner ripping off, and but other than that, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but that that speaks to the amount of content that is in that book. Is that the death of? one of the original Marvel characters is relegated to a panel on a page because there is so much other shit in this book. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So much going on. So, I mean, I really like it. I think it's a great book, but this isn't even something that I could recommend you pick up in trades because there's just so much of it. Now, are you like, like I made comment before that there is another Avengers book. I think it's like 34. Well, there's new Avengers two. It's just titled Avengers. Yeah, well Yeah, well this one, the Avengers 34.2 is was just one of the the cutie Marvel things that they do of like, you know, we're going to put out this book that happened 6 years ago okay. and here you go. We're just going to put it out as a point 2 issue. Because when you when or a point 1. I don't read the Avengers when cuz I explain the whole fucking up the timeline shit. I I cash out yeah. until it's all done. And then yeah. you said issue 40, and I looked. I'm like, no, I, is he getting future books? Because that would be cool. And I looked at it, and it was a bunch of kids. <laughs> That's how fucked up the timeline is. <laughs> and there was a dude with a crescent moon, and I'm like, did they fuck up my moon night? If they fucked up my moon night, I'll be upset. And I just <laughs> checked out. I was like, no, no. <laughs> I'll wait for someone to explain this to me in great detail. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's Avengers, there's New Avengers, there's Mighty Avengers, there's Captain America in the Avengers, there is... fucking like secret avengers and avengers underwater i remember when the word avengers circle i believe something like that it (laughs) yeah doesn't mean anything anymore like it's it used to be the team it was justice league and the avengers that was it and it's not that way anymore Yeah, it's like I said, I mean, the the quality is top notch. But as far as uh, barrier to entry, that that wall is pretty goddamn high. Mm. So good to know, you know, take that for what it's worth. But Submariner's dead. So boo. Submariner. 
<laughs> Submariner is gone. <laughs> For now. Poof. No more. Because he does have healing. He has a healing factor. And those ankle wings. <laughs> Which, I mean, I mean, his foot could have flown his off foot the just flown away. And then he just regen- regenerates no from just his foot. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't. So. I would love to see that in like a 12 page spread. <laughs> just a little fluttering <laughs> of, of a left foot. <laughs> can't be as bad as the Hulk versus Thanos book where it's just Hulk staring at the page for uh, 45 minutes. I did see that that came out and I was tempted. And then I remembered nope. I reviewed the first one. I'm not tempted anymore. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it again. I've I've been tricked before. You got me once. Shame on you. <laughs> All right, so so Mr. DeFalco. See? Uh I believe I believe you read a book that also has if you're not a fan of the show, a somewhat higher barrier of entry than you might su- suspect. Yeah, but you had before, that problem, before, huh? well, before you start, before you get into it, we were promised an explanation on how to fully understand this universe. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll get to that right now. Okay, so <laughs> the book I wanted to talk about was a tie-in to Adventure Time, and the book uh, that came out this week is called Marcelin Number 1. Uh, now, you guys might... I'm explaining this to Dan and Evan. A lot of people have trouble understanding how this has any relevance to an adult reading uh, sort of library, but the thing is, is that... A lot of older people watch the show, and the reason is because there's sort of this, I don't want to say it's a hidden uh, story arc going on, or a hidden history, but it's nothing that a kid would catch on to. It would take an adult to see that there's a underlying history going on here. So, just real quick to sum up what happens in the show, because when I explained this to my dad, my dad actually wanted to watch the show and see if I was on drugs, or to see if this actually happened. (laughs) <laughs> and it turns out it's both to see how much cocaine you had actually done. Yeah, I'm more like LSD, but uh, okay. Well, yeah, I suppose. Uh, so, so what it is is around this time frame, there was a huge world war, literally world-ending war, and the war got so bad to the point everyone was involved that you know nukes to this new end were being used, where, um. People were dying, but they weren't just dying anymore. They were coming back as as um, zombies almost uh, to a point. So uh, what happens is this whole world is just... Ap- our world is absolutely obliterated. They never make any mention of it being called Earth, but there's flashbacks and shots of, you know, uh, the North America and, like, Africa and Europe and everything as continents just from a uh, planetary view. So... Later on, literally three thousand years later, is where this um the the main characters actually pick up uh, Finn, who is the boy that you see in most of the uh, TV shows, and Jake, the talking dog, is the other thing, uh, the other person that you see in again the show. They they're the main characters. Um, so essentially, what happened is is that these nukes or whatever contained certain amount of chemicals over time that created an entirely new form of life uh like a talking stretchy dog named jake uh there is a bubblegum princess who literally rules the land uh there, there's a vampire uh queen named marceline who the this book's about and all kinds of stuff now really what happens during this uh a lot of these books is they start kind of peering in 
incrementally and even on the show to what happened during these 3,000 years to, you know, make up all this time. Like, one of the main, I guess, sort of villains on the show, the Ice King, who's actually played by SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, he, he SpongeBob SquarePants or the guy who does the voice the guy for SpongeBob? Who, the guy who okay. does the voice by SpongeBob. Just Sponge straightening Sponge. that out. <laughs> uh, Tom, Tom Kenny. Tom Kenny's his name. Uh, so essentially- I just pictured SpongeBob SquarePants in a sound booth <laughs> with those headphones on. Yeah, why not? Sorry. Why not? It totally is. But anyway, um, the main one of the main villains, the Ice King, is this really crazy, creepy dude, and all he tries to do is just kidnap women all day and make them uh, his wife. Uh, what happens is though is that three thousand years ago, you get this uh, shot of him. Uh, holding this crown that he now wears all the time, and the crown was actually this mystical artifact that had him lose his memory, but he gained the power of immortality, but at a price. He lost his own sanity. So what little is left is left to him trying to uh, find someone to be with for eternity because he's just a lonely, lonely old wizard now. And it's it's kind of uh, almost uh, emotional to see because there's some episodes where... Uh, you find out that he had a wife, uh, well, a fiance that he was going to marry till you know he found this 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 crown, and just things went terribly wrong for him. He started weirding her out and everything, and he got to the point where he couldn't remember her, couldn't remember who he was, and uh, it 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 ended up uh, damaging his relationship to where it freaked his fiance out uh, so much that she didn't want to be with him anymore. Fast forward, like, I, I don't know, say like 200 years after this war started, he's kind of just wandering around a, um, a barren wasteland, and he comes upon the uh, the this little vampire girl, this Marceline chick, and she she's not as old as she is, 3,000 years in the future, so he ends up trying to protect her with what little sanity as he has left, and, like, there's flashbacks of this in the show and everything, and again, for a kid's show, it gets incredibly emotional because you don't expect to have this sort of uh, relationship with the characters. I mean, if you look at something like Rocco's Modern Life, the premise is very simple. Wallaby's friends with the cow. They do dumb shit. A turtle's there sometimes. <laughs> and Did you know he, he worked at, a, at a, a, a an adult call center? Rocco? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it, you see it. It's in the background. He works at like a what, what used to be like a nine hundred number. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but uh, such a weird. Yeah, that, show. that's the thing. You know that show is very obscure. But it, they, there was no there's no real premise to it. There was no story. In Adventure Time, they're giving you this background and the story to a universe which I mean, let's face it. The things normally don't have that. When things happen in this universe, they stay that way. If someone dies, which has, I believe, happened before, they're gone. They don't come back the next episode. There is no reboot button, which is is different uh, because there's not a lot of, of cartoons that do things like that, which makes it unique in a way that really hasn't been seen before. And I think that's why older people connect to it so well is the fact that there there's a continuity and a, an, an actual story to it that keeps evolving over time and it's gotten to the point where you know uh powers have shifted in the world and everything uh some some people aren't there anymore that were there at the beginning of the show some people have totally different roles now it it 
gets kind of crazy. Uh, actually, just real quick, and spoiler alert for anyone who wants to watch the show in the future, Lou Ferrigno makes a cameo in the show as a character called uh, Billy, and uh, he has some sort of higher title. He's like some crazy legendary superhero. Uh, but what happens is, is he gets uh, possessed by one of the baddest dudes there is, and he fucks up time to no end. But the saddest part is is that um, Finn's uh, uh, idol is this Billy guy, and when Billy gets possessed and turns into a bad, bad, bad guy, uh, Finn's, like, heartbroken to the point where, you know, like, why does life make sense anymore? And uh, it... it it gets a little uh, touchy at points, and I, I mean, that's what makes the, the book and the TV show so endearing is that it has this continuity, and I mean, I kind of would recommend it to really anyone who kind of wants a good story. Sometimes it gets a little silly, but silly's not bad either. Just because the show's funny doesn't mean it can't be serious uh, on another beat. As you were describing it, I got I got a little depressed. Not gonna lie. Well, yeah, because <laughs> like I said, it, you know, the show is, is mainly funny. Uh, that That's the thing. But... It'll drop the real bomb very, very quickly, and it's happened before. It like the the entire episode's funny, and then all of a sudden, it'll be like, "Oh well, uh, just so you know, the Ice King is crazy for a reason. It's because he lost his fiance, and now he has no actual mind of his own anymore." And I'm like, Wh- <laughs> "What? Wow. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. <laughs> and uh, another thing, the uh, the vampire girl, Marceline, um." they start actually touching on their relationship after a while. And you didn't know that. There are three seasons where they didn't have really any relationship at all, and then all of a sudden they drop, again, the real bomb, and you see, again, a whole episode devoted to the Ice King and Marceline uh, traveling around when she's younger and uh, the Ice King protecting her while he's still got a bit of his humanity left, and trying to uh make her happy and he was treating her like uh his daughter and everything and it was incredibly touching now if i'm not mistaken the show is actually one i uh, uh tv tv awards uh, emmys is that what they're called yeah i i believe it's won multiple emmys for its episodes and with good reason it's 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 a very deep show at its core it's just it sort of presents itself in a, a different manner than you'd expect for something that i'm claiming is so deep Yes, I would agree with that because everything I've seen of it, it seems very, very childlike, very um, innocent, if you will. Is the is Jake a human? No, Jake. Jake is the dog that. Uh, All right, then it's him. who's the other guy? Finn. Finn is Finn a human? Finn. Finn is the last human, and uh, part of that's a bit, part of that's his, a big responsibility. Well, that's the thing. Part of the story <laughs> at the at the point is that he he's searching to see if he actually is the last human. There are there's episodes where he finds people that might be human, and like the whole episode is him just having his fucking mind blown and trying to see if it's true. But at the end of the episode, he finds out that it's not true, and he's a little crushed by it. So, so in essence, if you really brass tax this whole show, Finn is wandering the plains looking for another human to repopulate the Earth. I, you know what? I probably, yeah. <laughs> that just makes That's, the show that much more sexier. Yeah, uh, I, t- to be honest, I I would see if uh, you know if if it's on Netflix or something like a uh, season or two. I probably I say the first two seasons you'd probably need to watch all the way through uh, to really 
gain what I'm talking about because watching the episodes piece by piece, there's entire episodes where they don't mention any plot. It's just, you know, we're going to go have an adventure and awesome shit's going to happen. And I mean, the show is incredibly funny and very endearing just in the humor sense of it. But, you know, when you want something more than that, it is there. And that I can promise is that there, there are points where you'll just be like, well, fuck, that was deep. This is a deep moment. <laughs> There's heartstrings being pulled. Yes, most definitely. <laughs> where does uh, where does Lumpy Space Princess fit in? She lives in Lumpy because... Space, bro. Because <laughs> Lumpy Space Princess LSP is. Amazing. Oh my god! I know she's she's just the best, <laughs> Brad, so and I love Brad. Oh my god! Yeah, no. Uh, you smoothie wanna be. Well, see the th- the so thing funny. is, she starts out as like a very posh. Again, spoilers, not really a spoiler, it's more character development, but she starts out, like, living in lumpy space, which is, again, just in space, and there's these weird, like, cloud-looking aliens that all talk like that, and uh, she ends up, like, renouncing her her princess ship, I guess, at in lumpy space, and she comes down and lives like a fucking hobo for like the rest of the show. It's ridiculous. You have to stop and think about what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, no, I I do. I have I I wrote this down in front of me, and I was like, this looks absolutely crazy, but it's all happened. And you wrote it down all in crayon. I did. I did. <laughs> but the thing is, you, you see where I'm getting at here, where there is this point of. Uh, seriousness to it a lot of a lot of what would be deemed as kid shows do that purposefully because uh the producers and whatnot know that parents are going to be sitting around watching that with their children like this i don't want to say the simpsons because simpsons was adult there are um rugrats and and children-based shows that have an underlined adult theme to it so that the, the adults as they're sitting there with their children get something out of it as well. Not just mindless <laughs> shit that you don't ever need to remember ever. That that was an incredible question. Right. Well, well, the, the thing was, I feel I feel <laughs> well like done, that, that time is kind of, you know, came and gone. You know, the 90s were really big for stuff like that. And that's why a lot of people uh, that watched Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's Modern Life, uh, even Hey Arnold, Rugrats, all those... They can still watch them How now. Can you not mentioned Doug, Doug. Sorry, I. Do, 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 I do love do, Doug, but do, do, do. I, I mean, that's gonna be stuck you know, in your head for the rest of the day. The, You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, the, the thing is, I, I feel like there weren't a lot of shows like that for I. I feel like a ten, almost fifteen year gap. I, to be honest, on Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon, it kind of all dissolved and they just dribble. I mean, maybe SpongeBob when it first came out. But then after that, it just hit a period where there was there was really nothing. It wasn't wasn't that funny anymore. Nothing was really that funny to adults anyway. I mean, kids laugh all the time. At, you know. Dumb well, then shit, there was but. that that turn to cartoons that are specifically just for adults: the Family Guys, the Simpsons, the uh, Bob's Bob's. Bob's okay, right. But I, I feel this hits like a, a more in between. Archer's not for kids. No. Well, that's going into the danger zone, sir. No. Yeah, right. Uh, well, I, I feel that um, you're welcome. Uh, Adventure Time is it's more of a solid middle point where kids can watch it and be super happy with it because it's goofy and stuff. But then, you know, adults can also watch it and they can pull things out of it as well. And it doesn't have to be, you know, innuendos or references. There's just an actual story here going on that makes it solid. Cool. Yeah, so with that, I mean, 
So the book itself. Yeah, the, the book itself I actually wasn't really in, impressed with yet. But the thing is, uh, the way Kaboom does these books, especially for any sort of Adventure Time ones, is they release six books very, very quick in a miniseries. Now, this is a miniseries about the Vampire Queen, Marceline, and her relationship with uh, the other character, Princess Bubblegum. Now, Dan, I assume you're quite confused about what happened. No, actually. I mean, I've I've watched a decent amount of Adventure Time. Um, my kids like it to a point. They don't they don't love it. Um, some of it has been a little too scary for them. Like some of the episodes that like the, there's the one episode in particular. It's very early on in the show that has the zombies in it. Yeah, yeah, um, I yeah. think it's like the third or fourth episode. Like that one kind of freaked them out, but they still they still do like it, and we we do know uh, enough about the characters. And actually, when I was when I was reading the book, uh, my wife popped over and she was like, "What, what, what are they, what are they doing to Marceline? <laughs> why, why, why are they doing that to her? Like, what, what's what's going on?" So your wife had you know, more invested in it than your children. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean. I, I guess the the book made sense then to a point. The thing is, it just it it didn't feel like enough or substantial. You you kind of wanted more or to to know more very quickly, which I I guess would make it a good book at that point. But it felt like there was a lot of it. It sort of yeah, it sort of jumped from plot point to plot point with with not enough rope in between. Like there there wasn't really enough of a hook. Like. Again, I, I, I think, and maybe that's just a theme for this week's books, but if you if you don't know anything about these characters, I don't think there was any reason to read the next one. Interesting. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't good enough, in my opinion anyway, to be like, I gotta find out what happens to this girl because they didn't give you any reason to really uh to really care about the relationship. Like why is Princess Bubblegum upset that she has shot Marceline away? Like, why? I didn't get any right, of that. Right, right. And I, I think, the, you know, the main thing is is I was reading on uh, I, I, some website that, you know, this book is mainly going to dive deeper into their relationship as a whole. And I was kind of interested in that because they haven't touched on that in the show uh, because they, they do have prior history to where the show starts. So I kind of want to see if the book will lead on in any way to see w- how they met or, you know, how they've interacted in the past. Because they seem to be almost rivals to a point when it comes to uh, uh, when right. Finn's involved. So I, I kind of want to see what, what happens here. But, yeah, the, the book just didn't really set enough up for me to want to read uh, a, a second issue. Like, I, I, I was like, well, you know, I feel like I was kind of gypped here. Yeah, a little bit like and I'm curious because, like I said, we, we've watched enough of the show. And the, the thing about the show that I really like is that for as simplistic um, and, and downright weird as the artwork can be on the show at times, the colors on the show are always so well done. They're they're very bright. They 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 stand out. Right. The coloring on on the actual show itself is, is very well done. And it, I thought the coloring in the book was just not good. No, I, I, I've like was is that just no, me? no. I, I mean, or, I, I didn't particularly love the colors on the book. I, I mean, you and I can speak for the rest of the world here. I feel. Yeah. Don't we do that on a weekly basis? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We certainly okay, just do. Sure. It, it just everything seems so 
um, kind of pale, so yeah. muted, and yeah, everything was. And I I didn't know if maybe that was just the fact that I had a digital copy of the book or 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 what, but you know, usually it it, it just like everything felt kind of um kind of pastel almost, and the the show itself is is very much primary colors that are very bright and very well delineated between each color and in this book everything just kind of felt there was no depth to the coloring everything felt kind of on the same plane right right and you know you know it it does and because i i noticed the same thing i was like everything sort of seems like almost mint colored and I'm, i'm not i'm not feeling this it was all everything was just really flat and like it, the the scene towards towards the end of the book where cinnamon bun has um like i saved the day he's saying you know i saved the day why why doesn't anybody like care about me and he falls to the ground it was really hard to tell where the ground was and where cinnamon bun was cuz they were the same kind of muted uh tan color there there really wasn't it just didn't feel like like there was any ground there it all just kind of felt pasted onto a no yeah i I agree and i mean the thing is i think they have a rotating cast of um writers and artists for kaboom books i don't really think any any specific person stays on the book for very long and on the miniseries there's different people that do them so you know unfortunately i don't think the these books really get the love they deserve a lot of the time as far as art goes. And I mean, sometimes even the writing is a little lackluster in the books, but I like to stay with them because every now and again, there's just those brief little hints that I'm like, these are the breadcrumbs that I look for. And that that's why I watch the show. And that's why I, I read the books uh, from time to time is because I look for right. those little moments for the history there that go back and explain things. And that's, that's ideally what I want a lot of the time is for them to explain, explain stuff because to be honest i i said it before i'll say it again you know the, the premise to the the show is very simplistic in in nature but what makes it interesting is the the backstory and the history that goes on and why this world is the way it is because they've hinted before that this was earth at one point when you say something like that you hook a lot of people in with a lot of theories so they're taking their sweet ass time explaining everything, but it, it's it's an interesting ride to say the least. <laughs> How long has it been on? Yeah. I, oh God. Uh, six seasons, seven yeah, seasons. Yeah, it's, it's very far along, and I mm. uh, there there's been like I said, entire episodes. When I explained that whole uh, World War thing going on, that was one entire episode that they dedicated to a uh, to history right there, and it was a really good episode, and I. I when it got to the end, to be honest, I wouldn't let a kid watch it. It was really creepy and scary. And Dan's right. Sometimes the show can be a little scary. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. And I, I I think the guy that makes it a uh, Penn Ward, um, he must do a lot of drugs because some of the stuff that they say, like there is um this episode called the the Tart Toter. And it gets to the, the end of the episode. And what it was is uh, the princess wanted them to bring some very, very precious gems or something across, uh, basically cross country to a conference that they were having, and they needed to be guarded very well, so she picked Finn and Jake to do it. So uh, what ends up happening is everything gets fucked up. Uh, they end up 
like losing almost everything on the way there and they end up with like one gem or something like that and everything turns out okay because it's a cartoon in the end but (laughs) what happens right at the end is this dude kicks down the door and it's like a half-eaten gingerbread man and apparently he was the tart toter before finn and jake were the the guardians like the tart toter and he says like the most ridiculous like deep thing you could ever think of and then the show just ends like after that it goes to black and i'm like all right what what <laughs> how many drugs did you do <laughs> I, it, to be honest if i could find the clip when we get off the uh the podcast i i need to because it's it's just it's so left field and the show does it so many times that i'm like the show definitely isn't meant for kids he's he just does. I think they just give him a bag of mushrooms, and they're like, "Okay, make a cartoon, have fun." <laughs> Ready, go. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, to perhaps perhaps you can link to the scene in the show. I, notes. I can. Mm. I, that I can do. If I can find it, I will mm. certainly do that. Thank you, Dan. I'm here for. Uh, it. So Dan and I both agree the art was a little lackluster, and the story leaves you wanting another issue very very quickly, and not in a good way either. You you want it because you don't feel there's enough in this first issue to really, you know, give you any good bearing of what's going on. So, I mean, unless you're like me and you really want to know some backstory here that could be revealed, it's probably a passable book. So basically, we just spent an hour and 20 minutes telling everyone to read Star Wars. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I just, you know. It was, it was I, I don't know, sure. I didn't really find anything... You know, ridiculously crazy this week, but it's whatever. I like Star Wars. Star Wars was good. I mean, I I enjoyed I enjoyed good. Jupiter's Legacy. It's just that you know you gotta wait for it. You know, with you uh, with 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 uh, Jake and and Finn, there's a lot of backstory that you gotta six seasons of a show to watch. Six seasons in a movie. Yeah, and a movie. Actually, oh I made that goodness. up. There's no movie. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. I got excited there for a second. Jerk. <laughs> Uh, so I, I think we should wrap this up because we've been at this for a while and this is going to take me a really fucking long, this is going to be Stone Age Gamer worthy of editing. Cause I gotta, I, I gotta crack down a half hour off this thing. Well, we did have 15 minutes at the beginning, yeah. so we're good. It was three minutes. <laughs> yeah. All right. But okay. There's three gone. <laughs> All right, so guys, if you want to check out any of the other episode we we have, you want to see any of the stuff that we were talking about, whether it be links to the comics or you want to see that crazy clip I was uh, talking about before, it'll be in the show notes. Like I said, that'll be have all our show, so, uh, social links, our email, and anything else you're looking for. So remember, check out the show notes. Evan, I leave it to you, sir. I... I'm so ecstatic about how well we are progressing with Garden State Comic Fest. Uh, we just did another walk through the floor. There's, it's just coming up so fast. S- so many things are coming to a head. It's fantastic. So check us out, Garden State Comic Fest on Facebook. It's July 25th and 26th at Menon Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. Uh, Facebook, Garden State Comic Fest, uh, Twitterist, and whatever. All of those socializing media stuff. It's under Garden State Comic Fest, so check us out. And then if you're looking for tables, vending booths, whatever, we also have we're about eighty percent capacity at this point. Um, and we also take a list for those that may drop out, you know, like a little backup list. So hit us up there, and uh, we hope to see everybody at the show. Sweet, I love it. Okay, 
Uh, I think that wraps it up for us here at the Paper Cuts Podcast. So remember to keep reading your comics. Yeah. <laughs> you turn the page. You wash and your hands. From, from left to right. Right to left. Where are we? I'm <laughs> nauseous. <laughs> I'm yeah, nauseous. Yeah, right I'm nauseous. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.